Did I tell you, by the way, I saw the new Mission Impossible? Ooh, no, you did not. It is. What do you are, think? Simon Page. Yeah. That's funny that that's the person. Oh, that the, have yes. you seen the new Ving Rhames movie, Mission Impossible? <laughs> I only watch movies where Ving Rhames is in a pork pie yeah. hat. Yes, I'm a uh, Simon Pegg fan. I'm a Simon Pegg fan too. I paid full price for the seats, but I only used the edge. It was tremendous. Really? Okay. Tom Cruise is single-handedly saving cinema. Oh, here's, oh my gosh, you're going to love this. Mm. Uh, Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. you know his roommate? Current or previous? I mean, no, neither uh, to both. No, in the future. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna, no. He's going to move into Steve Buscemi. Oh my gosh, you're close. Another all-timer. The Tooch, Stanley Tucci. No way. They were roommates at, in New York and in, in college. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's and awesome. Just, yes. And I think Stanley Tucci gave him the nickname Ving. I thought it was just short from something. He was named after Irving. Oh, the, there it is. The NBC journalist Ving. Irving R. Levine. Okay. V-I-N-G. Stanley Tucci so gave was... him the nickname Ving. I'm on his Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay. He's so fast. I'm always nervous to go online because I'm afraid I'm going to turn off my recording. That's the only thing in his early life and education section in his Wikipedia is that Stanley Tucci named him. Yeah. Which, I I mean, I love that you named me and I think Evan's a great name, but if if I had a magic coin and I could toss that in the Stanley Tucci vending machine to get a new name like Cypher or something really badass... Who knows? That's Bible Man's partner, isn't it? Cypher? I should do a Fascinators on Bible Man. This is not a Bible Man podcast yet. Maybe yet, yet. Maybe one day it will be. This is Fascinators. It's a podcast dedicated to the weird and wonderful people, concepts, and stories that send us down the rabbit hole. Each week, myself, Evan Atkinson, and my dad, Ken Atkinson, tell one another about something that is currently fascinating us because we believe, you know, everything's interesting if you pay the right kind of attention to it. I think curiosity is a underrated trait. Yes. And I support it. And we are two curious gentlemen. I was, I was going to say, you know, I, I'm in full support of curiosity as someone whose cat just threw up a hairball minutes before this recording. I think I need a little bit more curiosity oh, no. in my life. <laughs> yes, I get the underlying tone. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. So with that, <laughs> I'm going to have you put on your advertising slash marketing hat. Okay. okay, looking for a fedora. Days. Got it. You know, pork, we've got pork pie Ving hat Rames and pork pie hat. fedora mentioned so far. We're going for all the... A the trilby? I mentioned, I mentioned a sombrero last episode <laughs> or two episodes ago. So, so you've been playing along with the augmented reality game inside of Bassinators. <laughs> Every three hats we name, there's a code that releases on the website. It's, it's true. So here we go. You're thinking business, you're thinking advertising. So due to a lack of foresight and contractual naivete, this Fortune 100 company did not or could not raise their prices on their leading product ah. for 70 years. Oh, oh, So okay. Yeah. All right. So you put that in your noodle. Yes. I've got a couple more. 
Okay. I think I might have uh, a guess. Okay, go on. This this is going to be quickly revealed. So fear okay. not. So the company also ran a promotion, marketing promotion. If you opened the product, like cash or a coupon would pop out, kind of like spring loaded, think like oh. Jack in the Box kind of okay. thing. However, you know, like at Christmas time, when you, as a kid, you would shake the package and yeah. like, oh, here's the weight, here's the size, here's what it sounds like. So people were doing that to this product and they were able to kind of guess which ones had the promotional product in it because it was lighter. Because oh. remember, it had cash instead of whatever this product was. Okay. And so the company decided to add artificial weight to the product as well as chlorine and a foul-smelling ammonia sulfate. Oh, God. And yes, this is a consumable product. Okay. Which I love. And so this will give it away. So the company also made like a Hall of Fame-worthy business blender that's taught today as worst move ever, wow. one of them. So that, this company was an industry leader. They were the number one product in their little tower. And they decided to change the formula. Mm. Of course, I am talking about... I don't know. Any guesses? I was going to say Arizona iced tea because Ooh, it, it is... has 99 cents on the can. Oh, yeah. But a dollar ain't one. It's a liquid. It's Coca-Cola. Oh, my gosh. So... What background? Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So they're a Fortune 100 company today. I mean, that's, you're in the pantheon. Uh, yeah. So 1886 is when it started. But from 1886 to 1959, the cost was five cents. Whoa. And, and so wait till, what they did. Wait, to 19 what? 1886 to 1959. Whoa. 70 years. 70 years. Same price. It was five cents. Gosh. And so they had two big missteps. One, they thought glass bottles was a fad. And okay. so they sold, the, they sold the bottling rights. What that means is they would sell the product, the liquid, to a company for like four and a half cents. And then the bottling company would bottle it and then sell it for five cents. Oh. And the bottling company would make half a cent. Yeah. However, there was no sunset clause. So like it never expired. So Coke said, we're always going to sell this to you at four and a half cents. <laughs> and so the bottling company's like, well, okay, I'll sell it for 10 cents. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make five and a half cents. And, and so it went on for 70 years. However, Coke in their accidental, I mean, they're on the defensive, like, how do we combat this? And so it's like you're mentioned with the Arizona iced tea, they, their whole ad campaign was buy Coke. It's five cents. And so if the, if a bottling company said, oh, well, it's seven cents in Massachusetts, wait, all the advertising and all the magazines and TVs uh -oh. starting to come in, all the newspapers, they're like, wait, it says it's five cents. And so the bottling company was kind of forced to keep it at five cents. And so they also sold Coke at like soda fountains or soda shops or yeah. restaurants. And so the same kind of thing there, because now you're pouring in a glass kind of thing. So how do you control that? So Coca-Cola started making their own glasses, which are iconic. Have you seen yeah. those Coca-Cola glasses? And they said, here's the size of the glass. It says Coca-Cola. So the restaurant wasn't upset because they got free glassware. And then, and the old, old ones, older glasses, there's a line 
on it that says, this is the fill line, you know, fill up here with Coke because some restaurant started to fill it halfway up, you know, Hey, mm. we got free glasses, but I'm only going to put half in kind of thing. Yeah. So they did that. And so that one promotion that I mentioned where there's like a money would pop out of the can, it was in 1990. You would think we would know better by, I mean, that's pretty recent. That, that's, is that pre or post Pepsi jet? Oh, so that's a good question. I can't, it, might it be must pre. be pre. Yeah, I think it's pre because the Pepsi jet was more recent. Yeah. Not, not by much. I think that was like late 90s, early 2000s, which we've referenced a lot. And what's going on with our cola I references? I don't know. <laughs> so good. So anyway, in the 1990s, they come up with this idea of like, hey, you buy a six pack and one of the six packs, you open it up and like a hundred dollar bill pops out kind of Pretty thing. Pretty fun. But yeah, but a little like a, scary though, if you're like oh, a, for sure. a child or me who's easily startled and you're like, God, I, I, I'm doing, I'm drinking the one soda I allow myself like a month and I open right. it up and I just get like a spring shoots into my face. Right. Not a pleasant brand experience. I just want to relax and look at the sunset and open this soda. Please. And so, anyway, those cans originally were just air. They were full of air and then the spring loaded dollar. So people would just like pick up six pack and say, oh my gosh, this is so light or like squeeze the can and it would just like no pushback. Yeah. So they put this chlorine and foul smelling ammonia nitrate or this ammonia sulfate in it. And so that had people stay clear of that. And then of course, new Coke that came out, they changed the formula. They were the market leaders, but that was a response to Pepsi did this one taste challenge. In the 70s, that yeah. if you've ever had an advertising class, they probably talked about that. Yeah. But the science behind it is Pepsi has slightly more sugar and citric acid than Coke. Oh. And so just objectively and typically, most people's taste buds pick up on sugar and citric acid on the on the front end, so to speak. So if you only have one sip, yeah, it's scientifically proven that you probably tend towards the Pepsi product, but over the length of an entire can or cup of it, I guess. <laughs> Coke holds up better and wins in a lot of them. So Coke, yeah, so Coca-Cola, they have Schweppes and Honesty, Dasani, Powerade, Bottom and Water, you probably heard of, Fairlife Dairy. So they've gotten into dairy. Mm -hmm. And so Origins story. Yes. Are they like so, also yeah. part of the military industrial complex as well? They're the largest cocaine producer in the U.S. There we go. To this day. Still? Um, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. They locked it, you know, that famous Coke secret recipe that's locked in the vault yeah. in the basement in Atlanta. So the flavor, well, obviously, initially they had cocaine. It was well, not obviously. Most people know. <laughs> the first smoke Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. And so in addition to the side effects or the, I dare say, benefits of having cocaine, there's a flavor with the cocoa mm. leaf. And so Coca-Cola is so synonymous with their flavor until they started doing that new Coke fiasco. But so they got a special grant from the United States. And so I think it's in Kauai, Hawaii, that they have this big coca field and they do a process to eliminate the cocaine, but they get the flavor from the cocoa leaf. The process to eliminate the cocaine is to give it to their executive, Jerry. <laughs> they, he tells them very twitchily that he's gotten rid of it somewhere and then drives <laughs> off on a jet ski. 
Yeah, trust me. You can. So yeah. you guys take the leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll yeah. I'll get the rest of it. It'll be gone by tomorrow. Right. I've got a guy. Okay. So in the 1880s, France had a drink called Vin Mariani, and okay. it was a mixture of Bordeaux red wine and <laughs> cocaine. Okay. They still so, have that. So, so John Pemberton, who's a was 1880s again, a pharmacist from. Georgia, he's like, wine and cocaine, that's a beautiful partnership. But alas, in the deep South, they had a, a temperance movement, you know, so anti-alcohol yeah. movement. And so Pemberton, he's like, how can we reach these poor rascals that are abstinent? And so obviously he's going to keep the cocaine. Yeah. But he substitute the wine for cola. Crazy that that was the deal breaker, was the yes. wine part. The wine, yeah. And so Coca, cocaine, and cola, cola nut, Coca-Cola, was born in 1886 in Georgia, and it was advertised as a brain tonic to relieve headaches and exhaustion. The best thing since drilling holles in your skull to get <laughs> demons out comes cocaine water. Yes. And so 1915, and so they got rid of cocaine in like 1905 for, so like only 20 years did it yeah. have cocaine in it. So 1915, the company created a competition to design a bottle that would distinguish, you know, kind of separate Coca-Cola from its competitors. And the winner was the Root Glass Company. And they made a curvy bottle that we recognize today. If you can imagine a Coca-Cola bottle, yeah. kind of got that curve and indention, but the company mistakenly thought Coca-Cola had the coca bean. They were inspired by the chocolate bean. Oh. And, and so that's why it has that shape. And Coca-Cola loved it. And we're going to yeah. keep it. But it was a mistake. They thought that ingredient was in there. And it's not. But, of course, Coca-Cola brought us, and you've mentioned this before, the current image of Santa to the mainstream. Yes. Famous. Wow. So our, our old friend, we haven't brought him up, but... He's a pal of yours and mine. We've talked about him a lot. Gorgi Zukov. Um, yep. Russian general after the yes. death of Stalin. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and during Stalin's time, he was their number one. He was like our Eisenhower. Okay. He was their lead minister of defense. He was during the time of Russia and the Soviet Union. But at the height of the Cold War, he loved Coca-Cola. And so we were adversaries, of course, at the time. And so... Like the CIA would smuggle him cases of Coke to like oh. turn it at his request. So Coca-Cola started making these bottles that instead of that coca bean shape, they were just straight. And oh. then as the bottle cap, it had, it was white with a red star on it. <laughs> and so they would ship it to him. And so he could be in like meetings with the Kremlin and just be slamming Coca-Colas. Oh. And no would, would know the difference. My so, gosh. Oh, side. Side note, we have not brought up Zukov, but for some reason he has come up in our conversations. This cat, like a towering Russian. Yeah. You know, false. He was 5'5". Five, five. He was four inches oh. shorter than Napoleon. What? what? Oh, my gosh. So every country on earth except North Korea and Cuba has Coca-Cola. Oh. And, and so when they started Wait, to move into... Pause. Oh, yes. Yes. Cuba's... Doesn't have Coca-Cola, but isn't that half of a Cuba Libre? Well, that could be. I don't know, but it could be like the a Cuban sandwich, which was 
yeah, fair. started in the U.S. That's a good, we'll have the research department get back to you. But I'm comfortable with my statement that Cuba does not have Coca-Cola. Okay. I, be- I, so, I believe you. I haven't proven you wrong yet. So as we know, words and translations are important. So think of like Chevy came out with the Nova. Remember that was a flop. So Nova for our non-Spanish speaking friends literally means, and Nova was a Chevy product. It was a car. So Nova, no, means no in Spanish. And va means to go in Spanish. And so no go. So you have a car that says, here's my car. It's a no go kind of thing. (laughs) So big, big flop in the Spanish speaking countries. So Coca-Cola was very aware of this when they went into China and China has a number of dialects. So Coke is trying to think of how do we translate this to China? And so they came up with a word that sounds similar phonetically, but it's like, you know, forgive me. Kiko-Cola. Yeah. Kiko-Cola. And, but that translates to bite the wax tadpole or female horse stuffed with wax. Oh, no. So all they did was they changed one letter, they tweaked it, and the last letter from an A to an E, so it was Kiko Cole, which means tasty fun. Oh, well, great. So, it means well Taiwan done. is not a sovereign nation. It's sold <laughs> really Formosa. well. Coca-Cola is red for tax reasons back in the day. They used to tax booze, but not soft drinks. So apparently you couldn't, it was a way for them to differentiate between booze and coca-cola so they had their bottles and their barrels painted red oh. i'm like well shoot if i was a liquor company i'd just paint my barrels red yeah see it's just right so the, here's my last little fun tidbit i'm going back to russia in 2002 this company out of england started making this drink it's carbonated lemonade oh. and it's called Lenin aid. Okay. I, I don't know. That tickles me. So it has a hammer and sickle logo. And they're, they're, uh, it is for those listeners, please, they know what Lenin, who he is, not the Beatles. Right. Singer, the other famous Lenin. Here's their mottos a taste worth standing in line for. Oh, no. Drink, comrade, drink. It's this or the gulag. <laughs> and war is best served cold. Wow. Yeah. So that's who Coke is. That's Coke's competitor now in Russia is <laughs> Lenin Aid. But uh, yeah, so blunders. I don't know how Coca Cola made through, made it through some of those. But that, I had no idea. Like bonkers. when you said they changed the formula, I thought it might be Domino's because this was before my time. But didn't Domino's say like? All right, you got us. We've been making really bad pizza this whole time, and now we're going to make good pizza. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. There's something uh, like the, that. that and Noid, like... Yeah, and the Noid came out around that time. Yeah. Like as a rebranding. We're like, yeah, they started pumping all kinds of, all kinds of money into advertising. Like new and improved. You have picked a topic that I think is pairs perfectly with mine. I'm kind of glad I get to go second. Oh, my gosh. I want to know. I want to know what is... In your mind. I was thinking about this the other day of like, for like around Halloween time or something, we should have like a spooky fascinators or like themed ones. Um, Yeah. Okay. I like it. That's a thought. I'm also easily scared. This is a good (laughs) theme episode because we're talking about marketing and consumer goods. Oh my gosh. Today. I love it so much. So sometimes we share the same brain. 
Yes. It's only a matter of time. And we've, we've kind of crossed swords before. Like Easy. in a good way. Like, it's like hit on a similar topic. So, yeah, I mean, it's a matter of time before we come up with the same, the same I know. topic. I'm nervous. I was so, nervous when the submarine thing was happening that you might get get oh, to that first. Right. Um, right. Well, I'm talking well, about yeah. a place where you can buy Coca-Cola. I'm talking about the psychology of the grocery store. Ooh, yes. So... Dr. Herb Sorensen, who's like kind of this, he's, he's a grocery store design consultant. He's a, has a doctorate in like consumer buying behaviors. He has come up with the three currencies of shopping. It is time, money, and angst. And it's basically, if I am a shopper, I walk into a grocery store, my time is precious to me. I don't want to spend too much money. And if I'm frustrated by the experience, I'm going to crumble okay. and I'm going to leave the yeah. store. So. Grocery stores play on those three levers to try to get you to spend more of your money through the magical power of psychology. So, yes, let's go go into your mind palace, if you will. Think think about going to the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah. Um, okay. When you when you walk in a grocery store, what are some of the first things you see? So normally, I think most Americans turn to the right when they come yes. in, and so to the right is usually produce, fresh produce. You see produce. There might also be the bakery or like a cafe. Like I know Target has like Starbucks and stuff in there. Some yes. grocery stores have a cafe. It smells really good right yes. when you walk in. You're also going to see maybe flowers, bright colors. Oh my gosh, you're right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I'm thinking of our local place. So today I went to Target. Yeah. And the first thing was a Starbucks on the right side. Yeah. And then at our local grocery store, which happens to be Food Lion up here, you walk in and the first thing, they have a few promotional items, but is the florist and then the produce. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. So those are also both really high margin items, fresh baked goods and flowers. So they want that to be the first thing you see. If you're going to make a snap purchase, they make the most money off of flowers and bread. So that's right off the bat. You're seeing bright flowers. They call this the decompression zone, which is very clinical. It freaks me out. But it is kind of that of like, I'm pretty, I got to work myself up to go grocery shopping most of the time. And they'll also usually be blasting AC or if it's wintertime, the heater is like kicking on really hard in the front part of the store um, yes. to try to get you like, oh, outside was hell. But in here, I'm chilling. I could hang out in here. I could spend some time. And then, oh like gosh. you said, produce is right there. It's more bright colors. The smells are activating your salivary glands. You know, the adage, never go grocery shopping hungry. Yes. It's even if you aren't hungry, you might, you know, something might kick in there. And they also produce the image of freshness. Like if I think of a grocery store, I want to see an abundance of fruits and veggies. I don't necessarily buy them, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, right. it's, it's a mindset. Yeah, it's, it's the idyllic image of a grocery store. So also, like, side note, that's why you don't go to a restaurant that has, like, artificial plants because they just don't care. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like, I see what you mean. Like, that, that sticks out to me when I go to a restaurant. Yeah. So are you going to talk about more about produce? I've got a fact about produce in the grocery no. store. Give me a fact about produce. So have you been there and they, you're, like, reaching for the carrots and all of a sudden you get misted? Yeah. So that is actually disadvantage 
to the freshness of the produce. It will oh. wilt and, and go bad sooner. What? However, it makes it look so clean and fresh <gasps> and people buy it more. They're playing with us. Eat. They're playing with us. It feels like I'm in a rainforest cafe. I always love when that happens. Sneaky. So you're in the grocery store. You've gotten in the entrance. Now you're going to look for your things. You need to go find your staples, like milk, eggs, and bread. Where are those? Oh, no. As soon as you said it, they're in the back. They're in the opposite end of the store. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a strategy. Corner. Yeah. You have to try to get people to walk through as much of the store as possible. Also at the entrance, with most, at least American grocery stores, they're separate entrances and exits. Like you go into that weird like vestibule and you have to turn right or left and you can only go to the right. That means yeah. it's forcing you to have to walk through at least some of the store, even if you turn around immediately. Yes. So staples are on the back. It tries to get you to go as far as possible. You might have been to stores that offer samples. That's trying to expose you to new products. But also all of this is to try to get you to slow down. They, you know, know, time is precious and you don't want people to feel anxious, but you're trying to get them to spend as long as possible in the store because, and I did not find, there was a citation for this, but I forgot to copy it down. So it's going to sound crazy, but I promise I found something that backs this up. <laughs> it takes no doubt. about 23 minutes of shopping for the brain to stop making rational decisions and start to act on emotion and impulse. Really? I've definitely found that, like, if I'm shopping for more than 20 minutes, I'm like, well, I can just grab this chocolate bar, but whatever. I'll just grab this thing. I start yes. to get a little, you know, flustered and frustrated. But you can't. You know what? Also, I was, I'm sorry. So also, I think, like, if I've been shopping for a while, yeah, like I need a reward at the end. And oh. so I grab from the candy bar. A little sweet treat. Front. Yeah. You it's right to. there. It's so handy. I'm waiting for the cashier to run these things through and i'm like i may as well grab a candy bar and that's i mean grocery stores make an insane amount of money from that aisle that's like places i, mean, I think it's like tj maxx has like a really long snaking thing where yes, there's like a ton do. of like it's you go there for like shirts and like a chair <laughs> and then there's 50 <laughs> kinds of chocolate bars <laughs> at the exit right. and i'm like oh yeah all right this would go great with this chair it, it um, makes sense and like, I like it's, yeah, you're right. It's a snaking line, but it's full of like stocking stuffers too. You know what I mean? Like small yeah. little things you don't need, but maybe you're like, oh, I think Sally would enjoy this or uh, I can yeah. get this for my mom for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Yikes. So like <laughs> you mentioned at the top in the U.S., most grocery stores move from right to left. So that combined with the practice of we drive on the right-hand side of the road, most items that you buy in the U.S. are going to be on the right side of the aisle. So companies oh. will pay what's called a slotting fee in order to have their stuff placed in, like, good spots on the aisle. Usually at the ends of aisles, you see those, like, displays on the caps of aisles. Yeah, um, the end caps. Okay. They have to pay sometimes millions of dollars to get their stuff featured there. Wow. And the idea is... It creates a funnel effect. So if I see a ton of Oreos on the aisle, I'm like, ooh, let me see what else is down this aisle. Uh, yeah. And you go a little bit further. There's certain products, they call these particular products, which products that there's a bunch of options for. So a shopper might spend more time deciding between which one. Things like cereal or coffee. Those are usually in less high traffic places because people are going to stand there for a while and look. 
and they don't want a huge traffic jam. So those are kind of like less trafficked areas of the store is where you find those. That's it. I could see that. Oh my gosh. I'm getting played. I'm it, no, it's because all these things I do, like, yeah, I'm not so a big true. cereal guy, but when I do get cereal, I do stand like, oh, what do I want? Uh-huh. Oh, here's a new flavor. Or, oh my gosh, that's so, oh. So you my might, life is a charade. <laughs> you might find that you end up buying a lot of stuff at eye level because yes. products with the largest profit margin are placed at eye level. So oh my the gosh. expensive cereals and stuff, and also a pretty scary fact, the average angle that a cereal mascot marketed to children is looking down at like an oh. 11 degree angle. So it matches eye contact with the kids who are lower down. No, no. They're all, they're either placed at kid eye level or they're looking down. Oh my gosh. That Crazy. is so great. You know what they need to have as a logo is the Mona Lisa because her eyes follow you everywhere. Yeah. She's always watching <laughs> chocolate Mona Lisa crisps. Yes. It doesn't inspire deliciousness, but there's something <laughs> there. Colors are also important. Warm colors attract people while cool colors encourage more contemplation and drive higher sales. So most grocery stores in the U.S., you'll see brick exteriors and then the inside is like white or blue, like a food yes. lion, maybe. Yes. It's it's all psychology. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know. What what do I control in my life anymore? Oh, that's tough. Don't, <laughs> I, I do not know. I am just like Pinocchio and with strings. I'm not even a boy. I'm just Pinocchio with strings. I'm not even a boy. Oh my God. So I talked a lot. I kind of set the scene and I want to really quickly go through three places that are the most psychologic, psychologically weaponized. Of all the grocery stores. Oh, so these are grocery stores or other than grocery stores? Uh, the first two are grocery stores. The uh, the third one sells some other stuff. I always get the guest stuff. Yeah, please so, get, guess what you think uh, they outs- are. Out, well, outside of grocery stores, turning to the right, I'm thinking Disney World. This has nothing to do with anything, but you always come in. People always go to the right. That's how it's designed. When you come off a ride, you have to go through the gift shop. Interesting. Solely, you know. Okay, I'm on the roller coaster. I get off and I the exit is through a store. And then the other one I'm thinking, because you've mentioned these things about slowing down and music and all these different things, casinos. Mm. So they pump in oxygen. They have no windows. You don't know what time of day it is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. So those two psychologically devious places. The yes. three that I'm going to talk about, I would also kind of rate as like three of my favorite places of business, which might <laughs> might mean that their stuff is working. But, <laughs> but the first one, Costco. Yes. Uh, Costco, we, the Atkinsons, lifelong Costco members. Love uh, it. We love Costco. The, they have three main strategies where they'll get you to spend more money. The first is Costco takes a loss on a couple things. You're probably familiar with the first one, their chicken. Oh, yeah. Rotisserie chicken. That's kind of their main thing. It's like $5 or $6 for a rotisserie chicken. They take a pretty big loss on that, meaning that they sell it for less than it costs them to produce. And they haven't raised the price in years and years, but it's in the back of the store. So it's what they call a loss leader. Most other grocery stores actually, funny enough, use soda as a loss leader. Okay. Something to get you in the door and be like, oh, yeah, well, hey, I'll just buy this. You know, and if I bought that, I can buy some other things because that was so cheap. 
they take a, a loss on the rotisserie chicken. They also take a loss on the hot dogs at their food court. Um, they, do you know this story? No, I, I okay. love their hot dogs. Their hot dogs yeah, are amazing. Rotisserie chicken. Oh my gosh. I'm such a lemur. You know? <laughs> no, but it's good quality rotisserie chicken. Listen, if it's cheap, buy it. That's all I'm going to say. So the hot dog, they were losing a bunch of money on the hot dogs because they hadn't raised the, raised the price since the 80s. And this guy who's in charge of marketing at Costco went to the CEO and was like, hey, we're losing a ton of money on these hot dogs. People are just coming in here to eat our hot dogs. We have to raise it by like a dollar. And Jim Sinegal, the co-founder and former CEO of Costco, his quote was, if you raise the effing hot dog, I will kill you. Figure it out. Which we we love a man of conviction. Like that's bananas. I will kill you. He said right. to a business associate. But they never raised the price of the hot dogs. That's um, the hill he that's the hill he's gonna die on. Yeah. The hot dogs. Another thing that Costco does to get you to spend more money is they move stuff around. A little bit is like they move it to different areas of the store to see if it'll sell better. And if it, you know, if whatever books start selling really well in the middle of the store, they'll just keep them there. Yeah. But they also do what they call the treasure hunt effect, where it's like, oh, uh, I always go and get my unshelled bulk pistachios in this one spot. They're not there anymore. <laughs> it's somewhere else in the store. They just moved it. So you'll have to pass by more things in the store. Oh, um, I've fallen victim to the, all of these. Another Costco mini facts, most of their prices end with like a 99 cents or 89 cents. Yeah. But if it ends with 97 cents, it means it's on clearance. If it ends with like zero, zero, it's just on the dollar or 88 cents. It means the manager put it on sale or it could be the last item available. If there's an oh asterisk God. on the label, it means they're not restocking it. But they don't they Ooh. don't advertise sales. But that's a little Costco hack for you. I'm going to. Oh, shoot. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I love when a manager goes rogue. Yeah, I'm, put, like, I'm putting this one on sale. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going after the baked beans this week. <laughs> Bushes, that dog from Bushes bit my dad. And I'm going to make him lose a lot of bean money. So another, this is a Claire fact. Claire fact, she has a wealth of degrees. One of them is in sustainable development. It's super inefficient to build a Costco. It's not like it's yeah. a converted warehouse. Like you're building a Costco out of nowhere to look like a warehouse. And it's yeah. huge. So it's really hard to heat and cool. And costs a lot of money, but it all goes to convince the consumer that you're getting better, more wholesale deals, which you are. It's a wholesale place, but uh, it's it's part of the brand image is, wow, I'm just going to a straight up warehouse to buy this stuff. Yeah. But it well, is in fact. They call all those warehouse clubs, like Sam's Club and yeah, Costco, BJ's. There's a few of them, but yeah, they're called. I never put that together. And you're right. I totally thought because of the high ceilings. Yeah. It's. Cav cavernous inside. Oh my gosh! I'm um, quite, you know I'm I'm questioning everything of myself. <laughs> I didn't. Hey, I, I hope you fare well after this. I don't want to unravel I'm too much. Such a pawn. But I I'm taking down those notes on those Costco ending digits. <laughs> See, yeah, save some money. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll slam through this one. Trader Joe's, my favorite grocery store. Yes, uh, they do a really good job of one of the biggest things. And I didn't get into this in the earlier section choice, like analysis paralysis, hurts yeah. people from making purchasing decisions. If there's too many options, I don't do it. They've run numbers of studies on this. Trader Joe's limits your choices to usually like one or two of each type of thing. An example is pasta sauce. This journalist went into like just a, you know, whatever, an Ingalls or something or a food lion. 
and counted yeah. there was 144 different types of pasta sauce, <laughs> which is also a very American thing. And then you go to Trader Joe's, there's 14. So it's like, cool, I want a red sauce, but there's two red sauces. Yeah. Which one do you want? So people are more likely to buy stuff because it's, it's I get it. just yes. what you need. Nothing more. Um, Smart. If something isn't selling well, they just drop it. It's There's no buts about it. If no one buys whatever these cinnamon pinwheels, gone. They also kind of have a cult of personality. You'll see this thing on like TikTok and social media of like Trader Joe's hacks or new new item at Trader Joe's update. Like people go crazy for Trader Joe's. Yeah. Their freezer, their freezers aren't doors. They're open bins. So you don't Ooh. have to open a door to get to the cold stuff. You can just reach in and grab it. It's um, true. And that's the thing. And I've noticed that too with like, if I see something in the frozen section, I'm like, do I, if you open the door, you have intent to purchase. So I have to stand outside the freezer aisle and kind of make up my mind. If I'm walking through a Trader Joe's, I see it, I have to grab it without thinking about it, throw it into my basket. Ooh, that's true. You know, this is apropos of nothing. Well, it's actually apropos of something. Okay. Like shoplifters. One of the tricks they do is they'll go into the frozen food aisle, and if you keep a door held open long enough, it'll steam up or fog up condensation. And so the yeah. cameras can't see you as you take the frozen brisket oh. and put it under your jacket. Some beef so thieves. A, yeah, no, I saw that special on when you open the door to, you know, it fogs up. Hey, cut that part. Okay. Yeah, we're not <laughs> inciting larceny. Another thing that people say a lot of Trader Joe's is, was that like attendant flirting with me? Was that the person bagging my groceries was definitely flirting with me? It's because they are. They're in fact hired and oh. paid to flirt with you. On the application to work at Trader Joe's, there's three questions. There's others like, you know, tell me about your leadership skills. But three of the questions yeah. on there are, do you possess a sense of adventure? Do you like to make people smile? And do you like to eat good food? And so I'll it's- I'll be darned. They're recruiting people who, you know, are excited to talk. And I have had a full conversation with every checkout person at Trader Joe's. Yes. Uh, you know, the one, oh, that's interesting. So Publix has something similar where you mm. have to say hi. If you're an employee, you've yeah. got to say hi to the people. And so I'm okay with that, like being said hello to a couple times. And there, I'm, I support that. I agree yeah. with it. But I'll tell you what, sometimes at Trader Joe's, I, they make a comment on the food I'm buying. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, have you had that pasta sauce before? Or what are you making? Frozen. It looks like you're having a party. <laughs> 48 frozen dumplings <laughs> like, okay. for one, I assume. Right. Yeah. They're like, are you depressed? You're just buying ice cream and wine. Everything okay? <laughs> it's just wine and cocaine in your bag. Are you okay? <laughs> that's wild. So that's Trader Joe's. And this is the last one. This is not technically a grocery store, but it kind of is. And I'll get to that in a second. This is probably the most psychologically devious one of all oh, of the no. stores I found. I am, of oh, course, no. talking about, you want to guess? Home Depot? So close. Oh, I don't know. Ikea. Oh, yes. I'm talking about Ikea. The few places to have a psychological phenomena named after itself, it is the IKEA effects. People attribute more value to products that they've helped create. Oh, which yeah. is true. I built basically all my furniture is from IKEA, and I get so excited to build it, and I'm so proud of it because even though I screwed in like pre pre drilled screws, I am like I built a table today. I built a bed. Uh, <laughs> 
it, it feels very big. So the people are really excited about it. They did some consumer studies where they had people assign value to different things. One thing was just like a chair that you got. They would just give you the chair. And then the other one was a chair you assemble. And people were willing to pay more for the chair that they assembled themselves, which I think is interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They ascribe more value to it. Ikea, in a way to limit choice fatigue, has limited color options. Usually things are like white, black, brown, maybe like a green in there every so often. Yeah. And so, you know, people are more likely to buy stuff because they're not fatigued. And then there's three things about the layout of an Ikea that are devious. One, it's kind of like the Disney, the Disney World thing you mentioned. It's one-way traffic. And there's a prescribed route through oh, that's the store. Rules. Right. So it, it hits you with the scarcity effect. Basically, if I don't grab this thing right now as I'm walking by it, I'm going to have to go through 300,000 square feet of Ikea to get it again. <laughs> so oh my I'm just going to grab it. That, that makes sense. I mean, that's how we've ended up with a lot of kitchen gadgets over the years. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned lost leaders. I, I think they always put like a lost leader right up front. It's the bath mats. The, yeah, something like that, right? Like, do I need one? Oh my gosh, for six ninety nine, I can't not I'm, have one. I just might as well. And um, use it as a throw pillow. This also hits on another psychological effect, which is the endowment effect, which is basically like if I put something in my cart, as I'm walking around with it, I start to imagine how it's going to look in my house, what it's going to be like to own it. I mean, it's still inconvenient as hell to put back, but unlike other stores, I don't have, you know, I, I get to check out. I'm like, gosh, I don't need this chocolate bar, whatever. I'll put it back. In Ikea, I'm like, I already know exactly where in the room this lamp is going to go. This is so important to me. I already own it because I walked for an hour with it. Like, this is so important to me. And people are less likely to go back on purchasing decisions at an Ikea. Yeah. Oh. And then this is the Swedes. last. The Swedes are diabolical. The <laughs> diabolical. These blasted Swedes. Speaking of Swedes. This is, this is the last piece, and this is the, the this is the banger facts that I'll end my segment on, the meatballs. Oh, sure. Ikea's meatballs. Number one, food makes you comfortable, puts you at ease. It keeps you in the store longer. People will sit at the food court and talk about their decision, be like, oh, well, I found this bed. It's so great. Where'd you find the bed? I want to go look at the bed. Maybe I need a new bed. It also makes a shit ton of money for them. <laughs> And I was, I was at the beach two weeks ago with my in-laws and they brought yeah. Ikea meatballs there to make. People yeah. love these meatballs. I love the meatballs. Ikea did a study and they found that 30% of their shoppers come to Ikea just to eat. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, it's an, it's an adventure. Like you said, because you, you go through this one way thing and you're going to be there and yeah, I mean, we plan our meals around it's a full day on. yeah take a little oh break to gosh. have a snack in 2017 ikea made 2.24 billion dollars from food sales <laughs> making them the 10th largest food retailer in the world uh, no they're a furniture that, store they a restaurant that sells furniture it, it seems like that and this quote I'll, I'll end it with this is from the head of food operations at ikea the meatballs are the greatest sofa seller. Yes. I've How? been saying that for years. <laughs> it's true. You just didn't know what it meant. You oh bring a plate gosh. of meatballs to someone's new house. You sit down on the couch. You're like, I want these meatballs are really selling me on the sofa. I could sit here and eat yes. meatballs. Sold. Oh, my gosh. All those things are so fascinating and so 
true when I think about them because, oh my gosh, I, I hit all the boxes. Whatever the marketing people are talking about, I, I must be their ideal client because it's, I'm falling for everything. There's, there's uh, times when I am amazed that society exists at all because everybody's just people and people are like me and I'm kind of a doofus <laughs> sometimes. And so I'm like, it's crazy that we have governments. Like, it's crazy to listen to any rules or do anything. Yeah. And then I have learned seen, about stuff like have this. Have you seen our governments? Yeah, fair. <laughs> Anybody could do that. But yeah. then I see stuff like this and I'm like, oh, well, then we're there's there's also some people pulling strings in a pretty crazy way. Yeah. Just to get me oh to buy gosh. more Oreos or Coca-Cola. Right. All right. I'm, I'll come out of my tailspin. I feel good about it. Good. You should. Yeah. Maybe drink a Coke and, and kick your feet up, but you earned right. it. Yeah. I've got one from 1903, so That's I may be relaxing. running down the street yeah. naked. Oh, this is when I'm glad this is an audio medium. Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. I love how we were like simpatico. Our, we're so our in sync. touched. Yeah. Touched on each other. Good stuff. Proud to be your son. Oh, bless you. Proud to be your dad. Well, hey, dad. Thanks for another amazing episode of Fascinators. And thanks to all you out there for listening. As always, if you have something that fascinates you or a topic you think we should look into, send an email to fascinatorspod at gmail.com or follow us on our Instagrams, fascinatorspod on Instagram. I post clips from the show and little, little highlights and teasers for upcoming episodes on there. So check it out. Follow the podcast, rate, review, all those things. But that's it for this episode. Dad, what do we always say? We are the music makers. We are the dreamers of the dreams. Yep. Amazing.